is up to my 2,000 starseed. It is so good to see you guys. I see that everybody here is rolling into the chat. I am super excited, you guys. We have Ron James from the Grey Room in the Grey Room, and he has created the amazing documentary, Accidental Truth, that recently came out. It came out about two, three days ago. Here's truly got a screwed on. Thank you so much, Tennessee. What pictures? We love you so much. And we've got a ton of great questions to ask him. So we're currently streaming on Twitter, we're streaming on YouTube, and we're also streaming on, uh, I believe, Twitter, YouTube, and also Facebook. Yeah, that's the one. So if you could just give us a favor, if you could just hit that thumbs up, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, put this on all over your social media with hashtag UFO Twitter, hashtag UFO Tainment, hashtag UFO News, greatly appreciate it. So here we go, guys. Here's the breakdown, all right? Ron James is a filmmaker, on-camera personality, writer, editor, researcher, content creator, and entrepreneur. He is also director of media relations for MUFON. James is the co-founder of MUFON Television, an online TV channel boasting the world's largest collection of commercial-free UAP-related materials. He has created seven feature-length films and dozens of original independent series episodes. His newest film, Accidental Truth, will be released in 2023 by 1091 Distribution. Accidental Truth UFO Revelations offers groundbreaking insights and never-before-shared information about the presence of an advanced intelligence operating around us. Colonel John Alexander, Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, Nick Pope, Gary Nolan, Ralph Blumenthal, Congressman Tip Burchett, and others to help accidentally weave a story that leaves no doubt that other another intelligence is somehow operating around us, above in our atmosphere, beneath our seas, in outer space. Decades of official denial and debunking. And the link to that is down in the description down below. You can hit that Genesis link and it'll take you to all of the places that you can get this amazing documentary. So without further ado, I know we've been waiting, everyone. The one, the only Ron James. Welcome. How's it so going? Much. Thanks for having me here. Good. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Everybody in the chat is very excited. Congratulations on your new film. Thank how's, you. Yeah. How's that all going? Well, we're in that little uh, abyss between the release date and uh, starting to get analytics and information. So I don't know. Um, I know it's placing at the top in Apple, but it's only available for purchase until the 25th. So anybody that's out there, unless you want to own it and, and you want to watch it more than once, which maybe you might because it takes that. Uh, if you just wait a few more days, you can rent it and if it for like five bucks or six bucks or whatever. So um so right now we're just in that in between where uh, they're you know they're trying to rack up some sales, but we don't know what the numbers are. We don't know what the audience thinks. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like I I thought it was on pins and needles before. It's even worse now. No, I went through it and reviewed it because it is a good idea to purchase some. I like to purchase my, the the UFO documentaries that I have, and there were a couple of details in it that I was very excited, and I can't wait to dive a little bit more deeply into it because you really. You really talk to everyone. Um, all of the people who are watching this show know every single one of those people who are in your documentary. And these people are the big players. They're the big players. All the people that you got to sit down. I've never seen more of a comprehensive documentary that has included so many of what I would consider the big players in ufology. Like, really, I watch a lot of these documentaries, if not all of them. <laughs> and similar with a lot. Like, this is, you know, these are the people. We buy these. We, we take them. Um, 
And so just kind of to start in that, I wanted to start with the idea because you had so many, and we talked a little bit about, about it briefly before, um, but you've been filming for a long time to gather all of these different interviews. Yeah, I started shooting interviews at the X conference in 2007 or eight. And um, some of the interviews in the film are, are from that era because over time I've interviewed some people like Nick Pope and, um, and Richard Dolan and some of the other people that are in the film. I've interviewed them more than once, including Colonel John Alexander, who really lets us know some things that, that he was unable to talk about for years. Um, so it's fun to watch what they were saying in, in like 2009 and then watch how that changes as the landscape evolves. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially to be taking these interviews from people like that over this crazy time period that's been happening. Because, you see, I can see you're excited, Ron. Yes, because we are deep divers, man. This is not a beginner show. Um, especially when we talk about 2017 and that being this huge year that kind of like everybody, uh, you know, there was a change. Everybody feels different. How do you feel about that change in 2017? Well, like I point out in the film, it's kind of more of the same. Uh, for the general public, it's like, oh, look, they're talking about UFOs finally for the first time ever. But as we point out in Accidental Truth, we've all seen this story before. And the what I call the new narrative in the film is that, you know, hey, we had no interest in UFOs after Project Blue Book. And then when the ATIP program started or OSOP with Bigelow, that's when we started looking at it again. And there's nothing to see in between. And Accidental Truth is about revealing the fact that that's a complete lie and peeling the onion skin back on what was actually going on, uh, what kind of programs are being run, what we can prove, and some of what technology and materials they discovered and researched. And there's nothing in it. It's as if I was an attorney putting this case in front of a jury. That's what accidental truth is kind of like. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, as close to a fact-based documentary as I could get. And I made the, uh, I made the the case as best I could based on on solid evidence. A lot of Freedom of Information Acts, a lot of cross-referencing. Well, this guy said this, this guy said that. The official response is this. So what does that tell us? And that's why it's called Accidental Truth, because um, it, it's full of a lot of people that didn't want to tell us what they told us in the movie. Yes, that was what was brilliant about it. It was it, they, they were some discussion about like, just I have questions and you know, what's going on with this and a lot of the things that we sometimes see is like, well, I just can't tell you. I, I know what's going on, but I can't tell you right and that and and I wanted to go back because you were talking about things being fact based. And this was something that I really, really, really enjoyed about your documentary. Um, because you went into depth about looking for the evidence, right? And I wanted to ask you about here, I think I have it here, about the the physical evidence, right? Because they talk about Nyktal and we talk about all these other things. Um, I don't know why I thought I had it. Here we go. It was Gary Nolan. Okay, here it is. I found it. Okay. So you had Makachi Kaku in your documentary. He had everyone, you guys. He had everyone in his documentary. I'm not going to lie. You had everyone. And I've heard Mikaku Kaku say that in a Mikio film... Kaku. Is, how do is I pronounce it? Mikio Kaku. Kaku. Okay, Mikio Kaku. I always go Dr. Kaku whenever I'm trying to go fast. <laughs> but I, I'm bad. I'm so bad. I, I, but uh, yeah. Okay. But, he, he corrected me personally, so I, I got it. Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> 
<laughs> that makes me feel better. Um, but yeah, he was saying that, you know, if an abductee manages to get on a craft, you know, get a, this is what he says on some mainstream media site, uh, mainstream media mm -hmm. shows is like grab something and hold on to that piece of evidence and bring it back to earth. Right. Um, and he says that the best way to prove is to get that physical object, help it, because yes. many researchers in this community have private collections of alien implants, including Daryl Sims um, as well. So we have Daryl Sims who had alien implants. And then also there's the Roger Lear implants that seem to have been gone. I'm always asking everyone where these implants want. So from that, including that because you're fact based, right? I was really excited because I'm like the same way. Like when I was thinking about how you put this document, I'm like, yes, that's me. Like, I'm not going to show you anything unless I have some sort of proof. There's lots of testimonies. There's lots of things. You know what I mean? There's lots of people saying things are happening and we got to take that in consideration, you know, but we're all not going to come together if we don't have that evidence. So do you know anybody who is interested in researching these implants? What have you heard about in the community from the people that you discuss with about alien implants? Because that's something that's in your body. They came down. It's here. What do you think about alien implants? Well, I think that there's definitely enough evidence that there's some kind of something that's being implanted in people that is artificial. And I'll tell you a story. It didn't make it into the film. Um, by the way, John Rao who uh, founded Open Minds. He bought the uh, the original UFO Congress, I think it was when it was held in Phoenix, turned it into Open Minds. And um, he, when Dr. Lear died, who was a, a very good friend of mine, I was with him right to the end, um, He uh, John got a hold of Roger's specimens. And where they went from there, we don't know. But we actually, MUFON had a case where we had a, a, a supposed implant and we have video of this thing where we took it and we put it by a magnet. The magnet jumped up and stuck to it. Uh, we gave this to uh, Lou Elizondo at TTSA and the whole chain of evidence just got completely screwed up. It found its way to Dr. Um, Gary Nolan at Stanford, but because of something wrong with the paperwork and the legalities involved in studying it because it was human tissue, he wasn't able to do any analysis work on it. And we got it back from TTSA in a, in a compromised uh, situation where it wasn't really the evidence chain wasn't uh, what it needed to be in the custody chain of custody wasn't what it needed to be in the preservation of the specimen was not what it needed to be. So, um, yeah, we got a hold of one of those things and we put it through what was supposed to be the pipeline of the day and, um, and it just basically got destroyed. Wow. 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 That's fascinating. Because when we what this is the part of the movie that I was really excited to sit down and talk with you about. And as you know, I have pronunciation. Nyktal. Is that correct? Nitinol. And I have Nitinol. I always mess it up. Nitinol. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of people know about this Roswell memory metal stories. There's thousands of, of testimonies about it. And um, then in, a, in the late 50s, early 60s, the Naval Weapons Research Laboratories came out with this shape-shifting memory metal called, and they called it nitinol. And uh, as we research the actual origins of nitinol, uh, we find out that it's a titanium alloy and the initial research of it was done by a scientist at um now it's slipping my mind um i want to say los Memorial. alamos but don't no it's not los alamos it's a um 
something Memorial Institute. It'll come back to me in a minute. I, I guess I have dementia slipping in. Um, but uh, this stuff was developed uh, by a company in Ohio, right near Wright-Patterson, that had a contract with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base to analyze materials in the 1940s. So it's a pretty decent chain of evidence that says these guys got something from, um, from Wright-Patterson. And then they actually, I think it's like Bechtel Memorial Institute, something like that. It, it's in the film. Um, but anyway, these guys are the ones that originated nitinol, and then they passed it over to this Naval Weapons Research Laboratory so that they could bubble it up. And it's, a, it's as close as you're going to get to a trail of evidence that says, okay, they got these materials somewhere, and where they're saying they originated is not correct, and where we're able to find out that they did originate is connected to all of the lore around the time of 1947. And we're able to actually lay that out with a, with, with a, a trail of evidence that is very compelling. Yes, and I remember now, was it Battelle? Battelle, yeah, thank you. Battelle Memorial Institute. Now, this is a company that has a history, and they're still around today. These guys have a history of doing very, very top secret classified work for the government in materials development and in science. And this, this, this uh, institute, for lack of a better word, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more secretive. So they're still around and they're still doing this kind of stuff. And we were able to show that the scientists that was there titanium wasn't really they they knew about it they knew what it was it's in the periodic tables but they didn't really have any um anything that they were using it for at the time they were titanium research was in its infancy and then all of a sudden out comes this shape-shifting titanium alloy out of out of battelle that ends up uh coming out of the Naval Weapons Research Laboratory five years later. And so, it's, you know, there's a, there's a whole paper trail about several materials uh, that were described in a Freedom of Information Act request that we put it, that we got. And so um, the government actually admitted in this, in this response that they had materials that were linked to UFOs and crashed UAPs and debris. And then they released a bunch of reports about what those materials were. And the thing that the reports had most in common is that a lot of it was speculation is like, well, this material has these certain properties. We think that it might be good for this, this, or this. And um, it's pretty compelling because I don't know any corporation that goes out and develops a, a highly advanced material if they don't know what it's, what they're going to do with it. And, and that happened with, uh, with a few of these materials. And that's what I really love. And and because that's what it was. You guys had the FOIA request. I can't remember the man who put the FOIA request in, but the that was FOIA the request. All you did the first one. And, you know, yes. he, he's, he's not super well liked by some people in the UFO field. And so when he got these responses, a lot of people dogpiled on him. And what they failed to understand is that this is an official government response to a, to a very carefully worded question specifically about uh, materials from crashed UFOs that were being studied at Bigelow Aerospace. And so that opened up a whole other can of worms because Bigelow Aerospace, you know, Robert Bigelow got himself in trouble when he said aliens on 60 Minutes. Um, a lot of people believe, now I can't state this as fact, but a lot of people believe that um, 
that when he went and said that on 60 Minutes, he was dealt serious repercussions to his business. And um, when the uh, when the FOIA request came out saying that materials were being studied at Bigelow Aerospace, that was like another shoe to drop on him. And so a whole army of people came out to defend him and say, oh, well, uh, yeah, I never had any of that stuff. And so it, it's a very convoluted trail. But the bottom line is pretty good. Um, uh, circumstantial evidence that yes, we did recover materials. Yes, they were studied. These are reports about what some of these materials do and may do. Uh, and then there's technology that that they've admitted studying that we're not going to have for another 10,000 years. And we've got Michio Kaku on there and literally analyzing these reports and, and making statements about specific types of technology, traversable wormholes, um, you know, warp drive, uh, quantum communication, uh, all kinds of things that have these lengthy reports. Like these guys know that, that it's possible, but we have no idea how to do it. But how do we know it's possible? You know, that's right. That's, that's the question. And, and why, why is the government involved in, in researching this stuff and, and uh, doing all these programs and they're, that they're lying about now? Right. And you and even when we follow that down, you guys even touched a little bit on the documentation that was able to be found about invisibility cloaking. Is that was that a discussion? Some sort of there's yeah, some sort of technology. Yeah. You guys had like one sentence and I was like, all right, they're digging in. Yeah, because I see induce invisibility. So 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 they, they you know, somewhere in these reports, they discovered materials that could possibly be capable of of facilitating invisibility. And if we think back to the 40s when this all happened, um, we're looking at a, at a situation where we have rumors about invisibility cloaks and, and highly advanced invisibility technology for both craft and for people. And, you know, this is 40 years ago, we were, we were discovering these materials that might have those principles. And so uh, Dr. Kaku chimes in with, well, we can do invisibility in the in in a certain frequency range we we already know how to do that we know how to bend and reflect light and do all these kind of things but to do full visibility in the optical frequencies is not something that we've yet mastered but here we have these reports about these materials that supposedly make that possible right so if we have materials that make it possible but we haven't figured out how to do it then where did the materials come from yes and you guys triangulated the <clears throat> the night and all you triangulated the night and all very well because not only was the FOIA request able to you know figure out that this material was from wright patterson air force base right yeah but also that it was given to a research facility which i guess we do believe was battelle right right no we know and it was given to battelle and we know the scientists that studied it i didn't name him in the doc but we know we know who did the actual research on these titanium alloys and and then you know it didn't come out of battelle but it was ported to it, the name night and all stands for like naval uh investigative research it, it's it's an acronym for this naval lab where it was invented but it wasn't really invented there they just say it was invented because it was in Roswell. <laughs> or somewhere, yeah. Well, that, that gave me um, a little bit more confirmation in my own mind that I'm not totally crazy to think that Roswell was incredibly real because I just have intuition and feeling. Um, 
that that it was or but you can't just outright say that right there was the no, memory although battle. edgar mitchell you know we got we have him on i interviewed edgar that that yes that, i have that down you know, too he's, he's on but um that I interviewed him in 2009, I think it was. And he's like, yeah, you know, I looked into this and the whole Roswell thing was real. I grew up in Roswell. I was told that, that it was real. I was told there were bodies uh, and nobody's ever seen that interview. It's, it's, it's brand new in, in my film. Oh yeah, no, I knew it was exclusive because I re I, I never really, I watch all sorts of Edgar Allen Mitchell um, clips and I don't think I've ever heard him talk about the body. And it's just this amazing clip um, and he states that some people he talked to did indicate that they saw alien bodies. What are your thoughts about these cases where extraterrestrial bodies have been allegedly found, like like in Brazil and you know Roswell? What are you, what are your thoughts on on the bodies that people? Well, there have said there seems found? to be a pretty good body of evidence. For like, sorry, that's kind of body a, of evidence. Kind no, of no, I guess it's a good a one. It's a good one. There's a body of evidence about the bodies. Until we get to see one, we can't prove it, but there's certainly a lot of anecdotal evidence. We touch on it in the film, but proving biology through any kind of a paper trail is pretty hard. Um, so we we put out forth some of the conjecture that is reasonably based in in logic, but the uh, the film is primarily about materials and technology that we do have official government documents that acknowledge. Uh, you know, do I think personally that they've recovered biology? Yes, and Lou Elizondo told me off camera that there is biology, and he stated that publicly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I th I'm sure that we have something. Yeah, I'm sure that we have something too. I think the bodies are somewhere. Um, and, and it's, it's just great that you're doing the evidence-based thing because a lot of people are like, well, why do you care so much, Amy? Why would you, why do you need this evidence about Bob Lazar or whatever I'm, whatever Rob, whatever rabbit hole I'm down? And, and the truth is, is I need this evidence so I can share it with others, right? Like, it's not just me. Um, and that's what I liked about the body of evidence you put out. You put out a lot of evidence that I could bring to a friend or have in a nice, mature conversation at a party. That's the kind of stuff that I try to put out there because we all get we all kind of get put in the corner if we talk about this topic. Um, and so that was one of the things I really, really, really enjoyed. And in the film, you showed a clip from a hearing where Gallagher mm -hmm. asks the UAP task force if they knew about Maelstrom Air Force Base. Only right. to have the UAP team tell them that they never heard of it. And it, it was actually kind of embarrassing to see them do that. So right. why do you think that the, these UAP government initiatives don't have knowledge of these or any incidents associated well, because with compartmentalization is the name of the game. So if you, if you watch the way they answered these questions, they said that is not within my knowledge base at the UAP task force. Um, and, and what they're doing here and what we're seeing is more compartmentalization and plausible deniability. Um, you know, right after the guy says, both of them say, yeah, we don't know anything about that. That's not within, that's not in our, uh, in our lane. Uh, we pop on one of the guys that was involved in the initial uh, investigations of the incident. And, and, and he, uh, he reminds us that, that yes, that was government stu studied the hell out of it, he says. And, um, and, and then we pop back to these guys, you know, acting like they don't know anything about it. So, that's what we're seeing now. The, the biggest takeaway from Accidental Truth is that these guys are whitewashing everything from post-Project Blue Book until the ATIP program, it, like nothing was going on. 
And the fact of the matter is there was a whole lot going on. There was a whole lot of discoveries being made. There was a whole lot of advancements being made. There was a lot of secret government uh, programs. The whole thing got pushed into private industry and, um, and these crazy kind of stovepipes where uh, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. And it's still that way. And so we're dealing with this whole situation where they're, they're erasing the past and they're feeding us this new story where they don't have to be accountable for anything that went on. They don't have to be accountable for the years of deception. They don't have to be accountable for the corruption that led to sequestering these technologies. They don't have to be accountable for any of it because the official story is that none of that actually happened. And so accidental truth is all about pointing out, yeah, it happened and yeah, we can prove it. And then there was the bum show that you managed to have that was amazing with Gary Nolan. So Gary Nolan has his, he self-proclaims. He says, I guess I just had my own accidental truth in your, in your, in your documentary. Yeah, you know, Gary's had to walk a very fine line. He came out saying that he was studying UFO crash debris, but then he had to kind of walk it back and say, well, you know, this isn't classified stuff that I've gotten. I got it from uh, Jacques Vallée. I got it from other people, but it's not anything official. But then on another documentary, he told somebody else that he couldn't talk about some of the stuff because of, um, you know, government uh, security concerns. So I asked him point blank. I said, well, look, in this one interview, you said that you got the materials from just people. They're not classified. But in another interview, you said that you couldn't talk about some of the stuff you're studying because it is classified. So which is it? Have you studied classified materials? And, and that, you know, the, and his response is priceless. It's worth the price of admission to the film just for that. Because he and, is. And, and Gary's <laughs> a great sport. You know, I mean, he, 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 he didn't say take that out he said right there you, you can use that and then so he I did yeah it. yeah I no did. you guys had a, a great um you know a great energy between each other and towards you know you talked in the documentary also about his research that he's doing on the brain and how yeah. there's certain parts of our brain that may very well make us more psychically inclined and you also had elizabeth is it elizabeth april on Sure. And, you know, a lot yeah. of people have different thoughts on, on her. But the fact of the matter is uh, she is a bona fide experiencer and she represents the next generation of, of people that are going to be taking us into how this uh, research and understanding evolves. And so there's been a couple of people that are like, why'd you put her in there? She does, she's, she's not scientific. And I'm like, experiencers are a whole different breed of people. And they, they have to have this uh, this legitimacy. And the, the last part of the film where we talk about how they made these discoveries in the human brain that are common with experiencers is like, it's mind-blowing. And it's science. Yes, because um, we've, we've reviewed a lot of Elizabeth April's uh, stuff because, you know, she's gone on a mothership. She has done a lot of astral projection. And you also had other experiencers who were really great in, in the show and actually friends of our show. Melinda Leslie's been on our show. Um, she's a friend. I've, I've met her out in Roswell at a couple festivals. And these experiencers, so much, there seems to, like, they get pushed out. And I... I think it's I think it's just because um, we don't understand the brain, which is what I like about what Gary's saying, because he was on um, uh, he was in a show where they asked him and he was doing it with actually Tyler Henry, who's this world renowned um, psychic. Right. He has his own thing on Netflix. 
and they were talking and I was just so blown away because in that moment, Tyler Henry, who talks to the dead, and I really think he's able to talk to the dead. I think so. I've, I feel like I've gained a better understanding of death by listening to him talk. And he said in this interview that he is extraterrestrial spirit guides. And that was a changing moment for me. I was like, okay, man, the psychic who's making like, you know, and so um, we don't know. And Gary was like, yeah, we don't know enough about the brain. Like, that's what he said after because <laughs> we don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing, in order to explain all of these phenomenon, we can't just go, oh, they're aliens from Zeta Reticuli. It doesn't come close to answering the questions or explaining everything that's happening. And so I think that the uh, the way things are evolving is that we're discovering that there's a lot of different things at play. Some of them are related. Some of them are interconnected by the mechanism by which they can happen. So in other words, you might have we didn't go too deep into this in the movie. I'm saving it for, for the next one. But you might have somebody that has a spiritually transformative experience. You might have somebody that has an angelic encounter. You might have somebody that has a uh, an extraterrestrial experience. You might have somebody that has any number of encounters with what they perceive to be some kind of non-human intelligence. And a lot of people are saying that what we're dealing with here, even though these different scenarios are maybe happening for a different purpose and they're not related in the reason they're happening to the individual, but they're made possible by the same mechanisms within physical reality in our universe that, that make these things work. And so it's, it's starting to get very complicated. Right. Like consciousness running the craft. Cause when Bob Lazar went in and he looked at the, the spaceship, he said that they had hand, you know, and that's not just Bob Lazar. There's multiple different accounts where people have talked about the craft possibly being run by consciousness. And as mm -hmm. technology advances, it's not far-fetched for us to think that we could drive our cars with our brains considering, you know, Neuralink and everything. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is some of the studies, like we revealed that the government was studying all these technologies. And one of the studies was, um, you know, brain technology interfaces. And so, uh, and, and some of these, uh, some of these studies and some of this research was initiated way back. And so, you know, it's not like they came up with this stuff just when Neuralink started happening. It's like they've been talking about researching bio brain interfaces for a long time, uh, even before we had a lot of computers to, to be able to operate machinery without biology. And so as you look at some of these reports and some of these things that they studied that we're able to prove that they've studied, um, it's like, well, where did they get that? Yes. And it, and it and it's just so important that we study the whole phenomenon, like you're talking about with the experiencers. It's almost like that's the component that's missing. Like, I had one, one amazing starseed on my show, Lily Starseed Nova, because I like to talk with as many starseed. I identify as a starseed. I don't know if I necessarily think like I'm an extraterrestrial incarnate, um, but I do believe I'm from the stars, but I do believe we're kind of all, all from, all from the stars. Um, and when Lily was on my channel, she got into astral, uh, astral photography. So she'd get out her camera and go out in the middle of the day or wherever she was at and take these amazing photos. So you're out there, you're looking at the stars, you're having this moment. She said that's when she became awakened to the idea that she was in communication with extraterrestrials. 
means basically she'd be looking at these 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 uh, star galaxies and these clusters that she was taking photos, these beautiful stars, and she'd see them do things. Little little here, they'd move around, they'd fly that way, right? They'd fly this way, like a little hello. And she said that that was kind of how she awokened. And now she's straight up like, hey, like she jumped on the show. She's like, the aliens just sent me a message. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. What did the aliens tell you? Let's get it on the air. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people have, have said having those experiences. And for me, um, I think it's actually like, it's even more easier for me now to see that as a whole than what I did before, because I'm sure if I was out there looking at the stars and you slowly start awakening your consciousness and things start to, the veil starts to be lifted. I think I'm very scared to remove that veil. <laughs> well, you know, the veil's there for a reason. We did, we are spiritual beings who came here for a human experience. And I think that the, uh, one of the, one of the best things we can do here is to, um, uh, kind of break out, <laughs> figure, puzzle our way out of the matrix, so to speak. But then a lot of people are very happy just to be here. Hey, there's somebody in the chat, UFO man, um, that sent me a thumbs up about my movie. Who is that? Is That's my friend Tim. That's UFO okay. man. He's got over forty thousand subscribers on YouTube. He's been a huge oh, okay. supporter of Alien Girl. Well, we are. Well, we've been on our up and up. Hey, you know, yeah. if you want me to come on your show, I'm happy to do it. Mike Bear is in my film at a couple of very poignant points. Um, and uh, yeah, so he just complimented me on the film. So I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah. Tell Mike to come on my show, everybody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, yeah, UFO Man does some great stuff. He's interviewed all sorts of people. Um, we were kind of collaborating a little bit at the UFO Expo um, when he was out there and he did an interview with travis walton who you've done okay. a movie about yeah I, I helped make the true story of travis walton movie yeah what are the details associated with that that you really like how was that what was that like for you um well you know getting to know travis on a personal level was was is always an honor uh the thing about travis he's not a typical experiencer what happened to him is not a typical scenario and um it's really kind of, I think, the wrong place in the wrong time is that there was probably this group that was out doing some kind of uh, data collection, you know, biological research kind of thing. They weren't the typical uh, ETs that are initiating these these traditional contact stories. And he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they took him in and um, and fixed him up after they accidentally zapped him. So it's a very unique story. And, you know, one thing about Travis, experiencers in general, they are, even, even if the encounter is not, uh, you know, violent or dangerous, they're transformed forever by what happens to them. And what we see in a lot of experiencers is that they just have a really hard time just, uh, just moving forward and, and having a normal and fulfilling and, and uh, a rich life. And Travis, on the other hand, managed to, through all of it, you know, arguably he's the most famous UFO abductee in the world, but he, he also managed to raise a family. He managed to retire from a job. He managed to, you know, acquire some real estate. He's done well for himself. And so you got to have a lot of respect for him because he's obviously been through something super traumatic, but he has also managed to, to have a life aside from from all of that. And that's the thing I admire about Travis the most. 
Yeah, he has 10 grandkids. It's like amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> He's like one of the most legit good old boys you could ever you could ever meet, honestly. Like you meet him and you're like, hey. And he's like, hey. And he's so he's so unique in that way uh, because he was actually conscious and aware. And what I love about the Travis story is he's just like me. I want to beat him up. <laughs> he tried to go at him. Like, I don't see myself getting abducted. You know what I mean? Like that seemed real to me. That he would want to, you'd want to take them down. How many cases do you think, especially because you've done so much work with MUFON, do you think that, have you heard of a lot of stories where people are totally conscious like that? That's what makes it, that's what makes the Travis Walton story like a lot of people latch in, not to mention all the other evidence associated with it, but what conscious you know, because a lot of times people will be like, I'm kind of in a hypnosis thing, I'm kind of asleep. But you said in the documentary that it's almost beyond real for some people. Yeah, that- I mean, there's the, the Buffon has probably got the best research and the best database about the experiencer phenomenon. We put out reports, Kathleen Martin uh, and uh, George Medic helped uh, Ray Hernandez with his big experiencer report. Um, and we've got MUFON actually provides resources to experiencers. So if you're an experiencer and you join MUFON, you're going to find people to talk to about the whole situation. You're going to find friends that have been through the same kind of things. And MUFON is doing a lot to um, basically help and provide community to the experiencers. And I'll be at a, at a conference and somebody will come up to me to talk. Um, and you can just tell that so many people are, um, they want to talk about this. It, and it's, but they can't, they can't talk to their family. They can't talk to their friends. People are living with what they've been through and, and they don't know what to say and who to say it to. And so MUFON is kind of there for, for, for those people because it is a legitimate phenomenon and it is on the verge of, of being scientifically proven that yes, there is something real happening to these people. John Mack believed that back when he first did his initial research and now more and more science is coming up to support it. Oh yeah. I have a crazy chick. I'm supposed to be in Roswell in July. Yes. Oh, you're going to be there with us. That's what I was told. The, uh, I think they want to play the movie. They're going to make it a special event or something. Um, well, awesome. I'd be, I'm going to be there. I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we're going okay. down. Yeah. And we, I'm trying to, um, we're trying to set up some fun stuff there. Uh, but that's fantastic that you're going to be there. Well, now that we're talking about experiencers I, I, and, and you're so, you know, high up and you're so connected with people in terms of all like networking with all of these people, like, honestly, just meeting these people in person. I think like you were talking about meeting Travis, right? And I'm like, yeah, he's a, He's a good old boy. He's a good dude, right? You meet the, and I got to meet Lou Elizondo in Roswell, actually on the 75th anniversary of, um, of the Roswell crash. Nice guy, straight up sharpshooters, you know, like you meet people and you're like, all right, I got a vibe. I got a vibe on you. Um, but to back that up, the Obamas recently have just, they've recently been some information, some news about the Obamas putting in money to produce a documentary about the Betty and Barney Hill case that's going to be a Netflix special. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? Well, Kathleen is obviously involved in that. Yeah, so, right, right. You know, she's the grandkid. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I, I just, it's very fascinating to me. Is she giving you any information about like, is this really going to happen? 
is where did this interest where did the they, they are there, there is an official betty and barney hill um production in the works for sure but you know how it is in the industry people don't talk that much oh i i, I don't know i'm just a just a little old podcaster, but Apollo 11. Yes. Just put in an $11 super chat. Thank you so much. You know, that's our lucky number here with the one hey, I, family. I, Apollo 11. Thank you for buying the film on Amazon. Uh, the story about how Matthew Modine got involved. Do you mind if I interact with, with the chat? Yes, you can, if you see a question you want to answer, I'll pop it up. We are an interactive live chat show. Usually, usually probably feel ignored at this point because they're used to me being like, what's up guys? How's it going? But um, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 like Jimmy church gets on my case whenever I do his show about, he says, stay out of the chat. No, we're interacting away from the camera, blah, blah, blah. But, um, thank you for the, uh, for the kind word, Apollo 11 about the film. We had Edward James almost lined up to be the narrator and he, he backed out at the last minute. His attorney kind of pointed out that we were poking the government in the eye and he didn't want to do it. Um, and we actually were talking to Steven Tyler before Edward James almost. And I really wanted Steven to do it because I'm a rocker at heart. But uh, he went into rehab right about the time that he would have been signing the deal. So that didn't happen. So then a friend of mine was, I, I had actually hired somebody to get me the narrator and, and his whole job was to go out and look. Um, and a friend of his was with Matthew Modine in England at a Comic-Con and he just casually said, hey, by the way, you have any interest in UFOs? And Matthew said, you know, I saw one one time and I, I do have some interest in it. And they offered him the doc and they called me up and they said, you know, Matthew Modine's interested. What do you think of that? And I was just like, holy moly. All right. Th this is the universe chiming in. We have we have a guy who played uh, a scientist running a top secret government program in a movie about science from top secret government programs. So I thought that was cool. And then on top of that, in the movie Oppenheimer, that's getting ready to come out. Um, he plays Vanover right. Bush, <laughs> who is part of Majestic, Majestic 12. So yeah. it's like, you know, the and Matthew has been, you know, normally you hire these guys, you write them their check and they're gone. But he was so in so much like the project, the part of the deal, he gave me a, a decent price for the narration. And, but he wanted to be a, an executive producer and be listed as an executive producer. And he is out there tweeting every day. Uh, in support of the film and he has just been incredible and he's super happy with the film um you know you can't buy that kind of uh, of support and partnership so yeah just total hats off to matthew modine and there's a there's actually a youtube video up now uh behind the scenes the day we wrap the recordings um if you go to the youtube channel oh i think if you go to mufon's youtube channel it's up um, you can watch it for free. It's a two-minute video behind the scenes of the of the actual read. So that's that's the backstory, Apollo Eleven. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah. So we also have another uh, super chat comes from my good friend Goofon Giordano UFO Network. I don't know if you ever watched his show. He's he's very funny and he goes on live every day. So um, the Giordano UFO Network, he, he's just doing such great work and he always goes on live and is really trying to dive as deep into this stuff as possible. Have you heard of his work? 
I've heard his name because it, you know people in Mufon think he's making fun of us. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> he just has a lot of fun. We're just all silly. I'm kind of part of the silly crew too. Um, hey, I'm, I, yeah. you know, I'm, we're doing shows right now, so anybody out there that has your own show, I'm not a podcast snob. I will I will go out there and and help out the people that are up and coming and do the big shows. And I just I just like doing it. Well, speaking of other shows you need to go on besides Goof On, so you guys can work out the whole Move On, Goof On thing, we got UFO Man just put oh, in a super sticker. Thank you so much. UFO. Yeah, that would be funny. What's the Goof On first? It would be a pretty cool episode. I'd love to see that. I bet. And he gets tons of people. Rich will just get on and just be joking and telling funny things, and he'll get like 200 people watching him just because he's so hysterical. Um, and then UFO Man just put in a super chat. Thank you so much, UFO Man, for the $2 super chat. We love Tim. Tim's interview interviewed tons of people um throughout the community like i said he was interviewing travis walton and um it's just really great when we all can just connect a little bit more because like lou elizondo i met when i met lou elizondo in roswell you know there's so much static in this field so many echo chambers so many perspectives and on top of it there's a ton of emotion <laughs> So, you know, you know, this field has generally been one big dysfunctional family beating each other up in the playground. And um, <laughs> I have I have managed to avoid that for the most part um, and keep my nose pretty clean uh, through, you know, multiple documentaries. And when I when I did the thing with MUFON television, which I created, a lot of people were like, dude, why are you getting involved with MUFON? And my feeling about it at the time was that I wanted to align myself with the oldest and largest organization studying the topic from a scientific standpoint. And for all of the stuff that MUFON's been through, um, this organization, I've, I've been able to, to really contribute to it. And we've got leadership now that really sees the future. And so this organization has come light years ahead of where it was even five years ago. It's, it's amazing. It is fascinating with all the we have our own laboratories. Out. We, uh, you know, we were in Washington, D.C. One of the reasons that that hearing was held by Andre Carson is because we were behind the scenes pulling those strings and we weren't able to talk about it, but we're able to talk about it now. We have a lobbying company called A10 and Associates uh, run by a woman named Jessica Taco, who is as connected in Washington as anybody you're ever going to meet. I just left Washington, D.C. a month ago. I had lunch with Andre Carson, and, oh. and, and she set that up, and, and that it was just huge. And I, not only did I have lunch with Andre Carson, I, I met several sitting Congress people to talk about UFOs, and I actually visited Tim Burchett's office for the second time to let him know the film was done, and he's in it. But we've been very busy in Washington. We've got our experience, a resource team. Uh, we actually finally set up our own dedicated laboratories for studying physical evidence when it's rare, but it does happen. Uh, so, And we've got our own app now, and we've got our own social network. So you can track UFO sightings all over the world on MUFON's app, and you can... Uh, you can sign up for the social network. MUFON's worth the second look. We have our own TV channel. We make our own TV shows. Um, so yeah, if you're not a member of MUFON, spend the hundred bucks and, and join. This is the community. I'm thinking about getting like the $500 deal and doing an unboxing on the show. I think that'd be cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I finally figured out, I'm like, okay, this is how I sign up. I've always wanted to be part of MUFON. It's just, sometimes it's hard to link up. It's gotten a little bit easier with the, uh, with the with the internet though you know like anyway. yeah 
Well, you know, we still have local chapters. Our membership is at an all-time high. It's pushing 7,000 members. And wow. um, and we have over 600 active field investigators all over the world that are still investigating. Uh, yes. Yes, and it's great that we're, we need to be going out there because something that um, I've always thought is fascinating, and I, you know, credit is due where credit is due, okay, people? <laughs> And one of the credits that MUFON gets is with the Zimbabwe children, okay, in South Africa, right? They all saw something, right? They're like, oh, my gosh. All the teachers are like, what are you talking about? First, we had John Mack came out, right? But before that, it was a MUFON lady who intercepted, came in, and she, I think she was the one that made the kids all draw drawings, you know, but mm -hmm. MUFON was there. MUFON yeah. has always been there. MUFON has always been rooted in collecting as much information as possible. Um, and really, they were the only ones to really, you know, go to, I would say, like, 10, 15 years ago. I put in my UFO sighting there. Lots of people have put their UFO sightings there. Um, just the contributions of, like, there really isn't any other long, you know, I mean, I don't want to get. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's some else. popping there's up that other are trying ones, to be. Um, right. there, there's some that are popping up that they're asking you to send your UFO reports to them, but these are private companies. Uh, MUFON's a nonprofit organization serving the public. Um, when you give your UFO report to a private company, it becomes their property and who knows what's going to happen to it. Robert Bigelow is still sitting on a mountain of data and evidence from Skinwalker Ranch and all those studies that belong to him. And from everything I know, he's not going to be sharing them anytime soon. So if you're going to report a UFO, report it to MUFON. And um, I see uh, Pyramid 7 says he almost took the plunge to become a field investigator. There's a whole lot of other reasons to join MUFON than just being a field investigator. It's more like the club for all the people in the world that care about the UFO topic. And you don't have to make that huge commitment to to be to complete the classes and be on call to do investigations. You can just hang out and watch the TV channel and, and enjoy the events and, and the people you're going to meet. So uh, but thank you, Pyramid. So let's get back to the film. Yeah, let's get back. To, yes, I was just absolutely like blown away on so many different occasions because I really do want people to start focusing on the evidence associated with it, like the specific evidence that you put in front of it, like having Edgar Allan Mitchell. Thank you, Dufon. That's a friends. heck of a compliment. Ron James is one of the good guys in ufology. He's one of the few who held it together over the years and did get lost in the hypocrisy of ufology. We're proud of you. Ron, we're proud of you. You know, it, it, it is true. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much by, by design. I just, uh, it, and that's one of the other reasons I aligned with MUFON. I just want to be about the facts. And there's so many people out there trying to build everything from cottage industries to cults. And there's so many people out there capitalizing on, on stuff that is questionable at best that we just don't need it. I, I have this thing. How much time do we have left? We can do whatever. We could end okay. at the hour. We could just chill. I mean, we, you know, there's um, a private chat in the right. Um, and if you click like, hey, I'm done. Amy, oh, UFO man. Yes. I, I, I designed the poster. Um, I worked, I did work with a good Photoshop guy to fine tune it. But the, uh, now that you're asking, um, let me, let me just talk briefly about the poster because everything in the poster has meaning at the, uh, I don't you can't see it that well here, but at the bottom corner of the poster, there's this man in black and he's overlooking 
a UFO crash that's surrounded by a bunch of guys in hazmat suits. Now, the, the actual meaning of that is it signifies, A, how disconnected we as a race are from the truth about the UFO phenomenon. And it also kind of shows how the, the hidden hands were overseeing it from the beginning. And then as you get into this little layer right here, this is a, a signifying a new enlightenment that will be upon us. And as you look at the logo, Accidental Truth, um, these little drips are actually animated. They, uh, they kind of signify the slow drip of disclosure. And then built into the words is truth and denial. And that's really what the film is about. So it's so you have that. And then at the very top, you have this, this human figure looking down and he's disintegrating. And what this means is the reevaluation and, and, you know, what we're going to go through as a species when we, um, when we have to face these realities, what they mean to us. So it's, it's going to be basically a deconstruction, reconstruction. Um, the posters, yes. If you go to accidentaltruths.com, you can actually buy a po an 11 by 17 poster, 11 by 14, uh, autographed by both Matthew Modine and I. And you can buy it. It's free shipping. I think it's $90, but there's only 250 of them. And each one is signed and numbered and has a certificate of authenticity. So that's it, accidentaltruths with an S.com. And I'm only saying that because uh, people are asking. Yeah, I got there. I'm here. This is where you can get them, guys. I'm right here. I think we're close. Oh, no. I, go to oh, the... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Accidental um, truths. Okay. Maybe I typed in the wrong thing. There it is. So, well, okay. if you... Yeah, what happens is if you go, if you go to accidentaltruths.com, uh, it forwards to this page on MUFON. And if you scroll down, um, it, it talks about the movie. You can order it there. There's, there's a little video playlist. And then as you keep scrolling, these are all the awards we've won already. It's, it's I awesome. know. I was about to say, like, let's talk about the awards. Yeah. <laughs> we got like 10 of them. So if, yeah. if you scroll down, you see the, uh, the, the store where you could buy the merch. And if you Google accidental truth t-shirt, we have been ripped off by hundreds and hundreds of people what? that are bootlegging yeah. our t-shirts. It's it, it. You almost get more returns on where to get the t-shirt than you do on where to watch the movie. It's, it's frightening, but this is the only place you can get these that are official. And I actually make them myself it down. I, I have a t-shirt making machine. Um, it's like a giant inkjet printer. And every accidental truth t-shirt that you buy from this site is handmade by me, which is I, after a year and a half of making oh, the movie, I wanted cool. to do something. That's and this so is the, uh, cool. That's the poster that you can get. You can get the coffee cups, mouse pads, all that normal stuff. You made those? Did you use a dye sublimation printer or something? No, I bought, I bought what's called a direct-to-garment printer. Now, the okay. mouse pads I'm, I'm doing with sublimation and the coffee cups. Neat. But the uh, T-shirts, it's it's called a direct-to-garment. It's like a big, giant inkjet printer that prints on shirts. It costs like $20,000, but I bought one and yeah. started a little t-shirt business. I just got so tired of being in front of the computer after a year and a half working on the movie. I wanted to do something different. Oh yeah, and those are beautifully done. I get I get a I'm a little crafty so I'm into that. That's very cool. Oh yeah. Oh awards. yeah. Before before the, the film even came out, it's already won nine fairly significant awards. It won the award of excellence from IndieFest. That's where you get the uh the little trophy with the stars. We won Best documentary at the recent Parapod uh, event that just happened. This is the very first Parapod award. Um, 
So we won that. Uh, we've won nine altogether. This is another one. This is the uh, this is the accolade uh, accolade film competition. This is the award of excellence for documentary feature. So we've been racking them up nine nine awards so far, and we won those before the film was even released to the public. So that's awesome. It's gratifying. It's humbling, and truthfully, it scares the heck out of me because I still am on pins and needles about how this film's going to be received. Yeah, you know, I think everybody gets a little bit nervous, but you've put so much energy into it and you have such a good reputation in the community. You know, people are going to respond to it, respond to it well. And and like you and I were, were discussing, you know, it's it's just such an emotional field, I guess is the best way to put it. And, and like I was saying, when I was talking with Lou, the one thing that um, he said is, I just want more people to know about this topic. And I was like, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I look forward to the day I can walk out and not have to be this completely, like, I don't know, logical person. I don't know. I just feel like this is not a conversation that we have at parties. This is not something you're allowed to discuss and anything that's being put out there, especially to have the evidence that you can get from a film like yours. Uh, it, it gives people those tools to talk about it when they go talk to their family. Like, no, I don't think I'm so crazy, you guys. In 1947, I took, this is stuff that I put in my back pocket. In the late 1940s, there was a research company who acquired a piece of metal from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base that was, you know, nitinol. And uh, it could do the memory thing, that the same thing that the Flying Saucer did, right? Like, these are the things that I need these things because I do try to be... I think everyone in this chat, everybody who listens to these shows wants to, is looking for a place to go and talk with people about it. And everybody who goes to these conferences, and I always tell everybody, we can't fight. We're all UFO weirdos. Like We all should be getting <laughs> along. Why? Don't you understand that no one out there, in your, like not everyone out there in your regular life really cares. A lot of them don't, you know, and like some people still will tell you there's no intelligent extraterrestrial life anywhere there are still people out there who say that frequently what do you well think you know it's it, i think that science is pretty much in agreement that it's nearly impossible that there's not life off of earth uh you know they can still debate rather they're coming here and all that other stuff but yeah it's you're going to be hard pressed to find a scientist nowadays that will say that they don't believe in life off of earth it's and it's you know scary, it's, yeah. it's only a matter of time until the proof comes i think that's one of the reasons that they that they're reigniting this thing is because when you have private companies going into space you have elon musk he's going to land on mars you got you got china walking around the dark side of the moon some of these secrets are not going to be able to be kept for too much longer and um and so they know that and accidental truth leaves these guys very little room to wiggle. There was, you know, because we've got Lou Elizondo in the film from an old interview that I did with him in 2017, where he said some things that are very, very compelling that you've never heard before from him. And, uh, and, and we've got Chris Mellon basically admitting that there was probably a group studying crash debris. The, the air between the wall of reasonable meaningful disclosure and where these guys are at right now accidental truth sucks the air out of the room there's nowhere left to go you're just going to have to finally start giving us some details yes yes and it's similar to that like it's it's embarrassing if people go to a party and they say i don't think there's intelligent life somewhere in the universe the majority of people around them will laugh at it because there's been so much mathematical like the math is there 
it's mathematically impossible. Like this conversation is over. And then the, the, yeah, they will shy away and getting this kind of evidence like that you have in this movie out. Like I was saying, it's tools to put in your back pocket. All of us are disclosure advocates everywhere we walk because you're going to come across person. Oh, it's wacky that there's aliens. Maybe there's microbial life far, 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 far away. No, you guys, I'm pretty sure they found a craft. In yeah, Roswell. We're pretty sure they did. Um, and some bodies. Like we got astronauts like Edgar Allan Mitchell, like in your film, saying he thinks he saw people who see bodies of aliens. We're just gonna yeah, let I mean, that go. We're gonna that. let that slide. Yes. Why yeah. should and it's just amazing? And it's so and all every it just all of it confirms. Yes. And so the 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 documentary gave me a lot of things to put in my back pocket to share with others. Um because I want people, I want people to get on board. And I think what you're saying is exactly right. Like eventually, and it happens slowly over time, kind of like the ET and it being mathematically impossible and people finally having that conversation in their, in their house at their cocktail parties. And this is what put me on like the Gary Nolan, Nolan fan track, right? Is I was like, yes, these intelligent scientists who are high ranking and they're doing great academic work and they know what's going on. They're in their world and they're really intelligent. They've got peers who don't want to discuss the topic with them, but when they go to the party and it's 11 PM at night and they're kicking back and they're having fun, there's like, you know, I think there's some legitimacy. I found a lot of evidence in this documentary called accidental truth. And it really made me think differently. And I can't share that with my colleagues, but you know, we're here, we're hanging out. It's 11 PM on a Saturday night. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I was looking at all the research, <laughs> right? And so even people who are stuck in these academic, you know, palaces like Harvard and, and all of these different Ivy league schools and top ranking research uh, organizations, they still have to struggle to go out and say that they believe that this is, this is a possibility. Um, and so it's just exciting to see that change happen. And I just want to say thank you so much for making this, this documentary. Um, thank you so much for all the stuff that you do for the community. Um, just putting the information out there, being supportive, especially of the experiencer circle. I think that's what was most exciting for me about it is when I saw that you put April, Elizabeth April in it, I was like, whoa, all right. We don't I think know. that there's, there's no reason not to legitimize the experience or phenomenon. Something is absolutely happening to these people. And, you know, the scary thing is, is that it's not just, you know, one out of a hundred or one out of a thousand. It's, it's turning out to be more like one out of 10, one out of 20. And so this is a huge, huge phenomenon. It needs legitimate uh, interpretation and research. Hey, one last thing I got to go. I know you did, we're running over. Anybody in the chat that's that's watched the film on Amazon, uh, you know, before it was even available, I was getting attacked by people leaving it one star on IMDb and stuff. So there's people that are trying to drag this film down before it even gets out. So if you watch the film on Amazon, um, take a moment to review it and, and um you know, give it whatever stars you think it deserves. Uh, yeah, it only it, has it, it only has two reviews right now, so I'm putting in my five star right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's shocking to me that that, that on IMDb, what I found out is that you can leave a rating for a film even if you've never seen it. They don't have any way to test, and you could. And and so an army of people went in and left me one star uh, three days before the film came out. 
And it's like, gee, I wonder who those guys are. And, and unfortunately, the list is probably long and dignified. <sighs> but I think it's a horrible thing to do. I would never do something like that to somebody. Um, and then we got a review on Amazon. The guy said it's a, the film's a total piece of trash. He, oh he turned it off after five minutes, and he wants his money back. And I'm like, well, if you, if you only watch it for five minutes, how do you know it's trash? So, you know, there's people out there that are trying to make sure that, that we do not, that this film doesn't get out. And um, uh, so we need all the help we can get from people that, that have seen it. Yeah, guys. And I'm not saying, sure so. you know, be honest about what you thought about it. I'm not asking anybody to go on there and, and post stuff I don't deserve. But, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty decent film. But give legitimate reviews. Yeah. Legitimate absolutely. reviews that are balanced, that make sense. So everybody go put in their review you know, for the film so that we can get, because right now there's only like one or two. So I don't think they mean anything. Um, yeah. So Mike you know. on IMDB, we, uh, you know, we asked people to go and rate it um, because it, it came out of the gate at like below six. And if you look at the ratings, you'll see where this, this group of people went in and just hit it with ones. I mean, who gives a film a one? Yeah, that's like, just the yeah. UFO world, though. That's how they roll is another thing. Because, like, you know, that I saw a similar thing with another documentary of some friends of mine that came out. And I was like, what? You know, and they only it's only like four or five because people don't give reviews. And these trolls look for the places they have power. <laughs> I know. And that's really, that's and, really and you know, it's a, you know I got to have a thick skin. It's not hurting my feelings. But no, of course not. When you see a, uh, something on Amazon <laughs> and it's got a low star count, you tend to pass it by. And, you know, I, I want people to see this film. It's, it's Oh, very... gosh, this is super easy to rate. Okay. I just went into IMDb and I was like, give it a 10. And it was like, okay. Yeah, no, on Amazon, <laughs> you have to have actually, on Amazon, you have to have actually bought the film. And then you can't rate it through your TV. You have to log into your Amazon account, go to your digital purchases, and there you can rate and review, which is why it's so difficult. I just made a review real quick in like five seconds, you guys, on Amazon.com, or not on Amazon, on IMDb. I literally didn't even have an account. I just clicked use my Gmail, and then I gave you 10. So if you guys go in there and you jump in and you can, you know, if you've seen the film, if you've seen the film and you want to let yeah, people if you've know seen what the you film think, and you want to we're not asking it. you to make fake reviews. We're asking you to go. Unlike I want people to yeah. honestly say what they, th what they think about it. And, you right. know, even people that are fans of the work. No, I, I did some very interesting stylistic things with this film. I made it a film that doesn't look like anything else. Um, the whole color palette and the whole um, graphics set and everything else was all, it's, it's art. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you just created such an amazing film. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody's just, they're so happy. He says, yes, thank you. Everybody's just saying thank you so much. Um, and yeah, is there anything else you want to let the audience know or anybody or any projects that you might be working on new that you are where you want people to follow you? I have a lot of your links down in the description, especially the link to, to check out the movie, you guys, but anything else? Well, you'll you see add? stuff on MUFON television. Um, which is our MUFON's own TV net channel. You get it free when you when you become a member at the enhanced level. Uh, so that's where I do my regular series stuff. And I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I think my next real piece is going to be a um, Life After Death uh, doc. I've been working with the International Association Ooh. for Near-Death Studies, and I think I want to sink my teeth into that next. Beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. Well, thank, thank you, you guys. so much again. I really appreciate it. We're so happy that you came and you guys, I'm just going to put you in the great room. I'll be back. I'll be there in like 
15 seconds. I'm just going to say bye to everybody and close out the show. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you guys, what a treat. Can you absolutely believe that this happened? I mean, I am just super excited that we were able to get such a cool person on our show. Hopefully we'll be getting more and more people just taking it straight to the top like we always do. But if you could just do me a favor, if you could like, subscribe, share this on all of your UFO everything. Thank you, X1, for the $5.55 super chat. Thank you so much, Goof on $5. Thank you so much, UFO Man. I know Marvin put in one. I know we had a ton of people, UFO Man, threw us in one. And we love you guys so much. You guys keep it going. Keep it grooving. Don't let them tell you you're crazy because you know you're not. And I love each and every single one of you. And I will see you again Monday at 5 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Alien Girl 111. And now I want you guys to do me a favor and go cruise on over to our friend, Richie Rich, Goofon, Goofonia, our comedian of ufology. We love you guys so much and we will see you again. Have a great weekend. Peace.